0: Hello everyone, welcome to the second episode of The Center Project with your host Tahazia Khan. Today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, um, Julio, and Julio, I would like you to first of all introduce yourself.
1: Hi, uh, my name is Julio Cesar Mendez Jr. Uh, I'm from Miami, Florida. I'm a Cuban-American. I'm currently studying communications at Florida International University
0: all right that's awesome man so i mean first off just like last episode i want to start off by something super lighthearted, which you know i guess for some people it's not really lighthearted. so the heat extend the nba final series to a game six man i know you're not a heat fan i know you're a big time pacers fan but what are your thoughts about them I and mean, did you see the game did you see like the end was crazy so what are your thoughts about that
1: yeah, uh, actually, I kind of missed the last couple seconds. Oh, so, uh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I, caught it, I caught it on House of Highlights uh, uh. in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would just like to give a huge shout out to the Indiana Pacers for bringing out mm-hmm. the best in the Miami Heat. The heat oh, you the don't heat know, gift. big
0: facts, bro. Like, I don't think anybody... Like you know, I think a lot of Heat fans were like, "Oh, Heat are winning the finals," but nobody genuinely believed them to be able to do that until they beat the Pacers and until they were able to go toe to toe with the Bucks. So, for sure, the Pacers did something to the Miami.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, they sacrificed their their they sacrificed
0: their playoff chances. Ah shit. Uh, Ah, that's okay, man. You chilling, Cookie? Cookie,
1: chill. Damn. All right.
0: But are you to continue, man. Huh?
1: My bad, my bad.
0: No, nah, but to continue, so, I mean, let's pivot off that. Um, so I know, like, there's a lot of controversy surrounding, you know, the National Basketball Association. Um, I mean, it originally started with Colin Kaepernick, then it kind of died down for a couple years, then it started with the NBA, spread out to NFL, um, and I believe even MLB players are not joining in, so this representation of black lives matter movement across the sports industry so um, what are your thoughts about that do you cuz i know a lot of people disagree that sports players should have a say you know they should shut up and dribble or shut up and throw the ball um, do you agree with that disagree with that um,
1: i absolutely think that players have the right to you know say whatever they want in any circumstance even even the ones that are criticizing black lives matter or disagreeing Mm -hmm. with the general movement, you know, like in the, you know, I'm a big MMA fan and Colby Covington is one of the biggest names in the UFC. And I'm here and like talking so much about LeBron James and talking about how he would, you know, beat him up or whatever. And that, you know, Donald Trump is the best and all this stuff. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't like it. Right. I disagree with Colby Covington, but it's absolutely his right to say whatever he wants. So I'm, on the side of the athletes, you know, they absolutely yeah. have the right to say whatever they want. Um, and, you know, like meeting for the flag is the most peaceful way. Like, what one of the things that kind of um, frustrated me the most when the rioting and, you know, the mostly, you know, police incited rioting started, um, mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of, you know, conservatives were saying, why why don't you do this peacefully? Like, everything can happen peacefully, right? Mm -hmm. But when things were happening peacefully, you guys blackballed Colin Kaepernick out of the NFL, and y'all were complaining all the time about how, you know, keep politics out of sports and, you know, just doing the most, like, in in a passive way, just undermining the message. So it's like, you you can't have it both ways, you know? Like, you, you can't take away someone's voice but then also say why don't you use your voice when violence occurs and it's not even like rioting and looting and all that stuff that's not part of the movement that's Mm -hmm. a byproduct of just something totally different right that's opportunistic right but that's not part of the movement at all and also you know people make a big deal of businesses and all this stuff you know like target's not gonna suffer from this you know Mm -hmm. they're insurance companies. like you know, like, I'm sure, you know, there are anecdotal occurrences of some business being negatively affected by all this, right? Mm-hmm. But let's not pretend like this is like a complete economic shutdown as if we aren't already having one because of the disaster that we've had from the coronavirus and our response to it from the government. So,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think um, a lot of people pivot to the fact that, oh, these riots and these protests are um destroying the small businesses but i feel like a lot of the times because i personally haven't really delved into the statistics but i genuinely would like to see that statistically how many of these protests or these protesters are you know rioters or like how many of them are actually damaging property versus how many of them um are just simply you know voicing their opinions or voicing their you know protest because um I hear a lot about, you know, how in democratic cities like Baltimore, like New York, and like these big cities, where there's protests occurring, and there's, you know, damage and everything. But right after the death of George Floyd, there were literally like so many cities, like even in my small city of Gainesville, they had, they still had protests for, you know, multiple days. And of course, there were no like, riots, no anything. It was just, you know, in those big, big, highly densely populated areas, so I think statistically, I would like to see how, like, when you compare, uh, when you take in all these different populations, all these different cities, all these different protests, how many of them actually turned into riots? Because I believe it's not a lot, you know? Um, the question always arises of BLM f- as an idea and BLM as an organization. And, uh, you know, and uh, as in the middle is BLM as a movement. And a lot of people like to say at least you know some of the right-wing supporters that I know that they don't necessarily hate the idea of BLM as a you know general idea or a solution or anything they just hate like the organization itself or the movement so I think like if there's some active statistics out there it'd be pretty interesting but um, you know from that I kind of want to pivot on because last episode of course I've delved a lot into you know the African-American population of the U.S. So I kind of want to talk about the Hispanic-American population because it, you know, holds a majority, a large, large, a big, big portion of the minorities in the U.S. are, you know, Hispanics. And I think they are probably the most divided minority because in general, minorities tend to vote so, uh whether you're Asian, whether you're, um, black, you know, Native American in general they are more liberal or more democratic, but Hispanic, you know, minority is the one that often actually diverts towards the right. So you said you're Cuban American and you're from South Florida. So I know in your community in Miami and, and surrounding areas there's a big, big divide. So what do you think about the divide and why do you think there is, you know, one?
1: Um well Cuba Cuba has a very privileged and uh, you know, often misunderstood backstory, right? Cubans, as much as they hate to admit it, because they came from Cuba, but just from their status as an immigrant, Cubans are extremely, extremely privileged immigrants, right? Obviously, not in general or anything like that, but as immigrants, when it comes to their rights, when it came to their rights to coming to this country, no other immigrant group has been as privileged as Cuban. You know, um, excuse me. Um, there are so many policies in place to ensure, you know, safe and fast transport to this country. Obviously, you know, Cubans still did it uh, illegally, you know, mm-hmm. through the through rafts, right? But even then, there was wet foot, dry foot. So, so even when Cubans got here, they were guaranteed, you know, some sort of residency, and that just isn't the case for many other immigrant groups. So, I think that has kind of provided Cuban like just the Cuban population in general, a very privileged way of thinking uh, when, it, when it comes to immigration uh, specifically because mm-hmm. they just think, you know, like even people in my family, for example, think, well, I just came here like legally. So why can't the Mexicans do it? Why can't people from Central and South America just do it legally? You know, mm-hmm. and it's like because they would have to wait 20 years for a visa, <laughs> like that's <laughs> not... A, That that's not how they they didn't come from the same place that you did. So there are different laws. There are different procedures that apply to them. So what other way would they come than by crossing the border illegally? So I think that that's just something that uh, is kind of, you know, uh, kind of lost on the Cuban population in general uh, here in South Florida. Just the Mm -hmm. fact that they don't really acknowledge their privilege, especially because. Miami is like a little bubble. They're, Cubans are not a minority mm-hmm. in, in Florida, or at least yeah, in South sure. Florida. They're, they're really not. So their existence is completely just like a complete different existence than any other minority in this country. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no,
0: that's definitely an interesting point because usually... Um when I thought of why Cubans would support the right wing, um, usually to me, it would divert to the fact that, you know, many Cubans who migrated, or at least the parents of many Cubans, they came under Castro's regime. They came to the United States under Castro's regime. And, you know, the way Castro kind of conducted his government was that he would, uh, you know, alienate. Castro wasn't by any means, in my opinion, of course, I'm not a Cuban, and I didn't live under this con- in those conditions. But from what I've read, Castro wasn't the you know a good um, leader. He was very very terrible. He did very terrible things. He had you know he led many killings. He was and you know like if you look at Cuba's economy, it's in complete shambles. And because so many you know decades of trade was cut off from the U.S. and other European countries, so to me I always thought that the reason was that you know Castro's regime caused them to have such a hate towards left-wing policies towards you know socialist policies um do you think that plays a factor or is it just solely their privilege
1: no that's definitely um that's definitely the the like the biggest thing Mm -hmm. for for Cubans you know at least um the most prominent thing, you know, the the, the whole privilege thing is kind of underlying, you know, uh, that takes a little bit of, of digging to get to uh, and to really acknowledge. But that's kind of like the surface level thing for all Cubans. You talk to any older Cuban person, uh, especially a person that immigrated from Cuba, and the first thing they're going to tell you is about communism and that they're not going to vote Democrat because they don't want this, you know, this country to turn into Cuba.
0: <laughs> yeah I, yeah
1: and that's just not a realistic way of knowing you know my um just growing up right surrounded by all these people and you know my people and the way that they think it's always interesting to me because Cubans on one hand absolutely renounce politics, like they don't want any part of it
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're like political no sirve," right politicians they're they're worthless right they're all liars, they're all crooks. And then but also they won't like refuse to participate, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like you 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 don't think the system works, you, you think all politicians are absolutely worth this, but for some reason you think that the, the the conservative ones are extremely better for some reason, you know, and that all boils down to the fact that they just misunderstand the politics of this country
0: yeah it's like, not necessarily the same as cuba i agree
1: it's absolutely nowhere near the same as cuba cuba is a one-party state cuba isn't like isn't it's ideologically just uh, homogenous you know like you're mm-hmm. not like so the fact that they would think you vote in a democratic president and you're gonna get communism like that's not that's not feasible you're, you're not thinking like at all
0: yeah, especially so. when it comes to, like, I think, you know, and this is kind of like I wanted to pivot towards is, um, you know, I think it's not a realistic, but I kind of would understand a little more if Sanders was the Democratic candidate and they were concerned about, you know, socialistic socialist policies kind of dominating the U.S. government, creating these imbalances, not rewarding hard work, quote unquote, uh, but You know, with Biden being such a moderate Democrat, you know, that's why I think that he best represents my views. Um, I don't think there is necessarily a threat to capitalism, you know, like Biden at the end of the day, similar to Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. He was still a capitalist. Um, He was still, you know, um, pro-business and everything. Even, you know, to a certain extent, Sanders is. Um, He just has like some different ideas, you know, like tax the wealthy and stuff. Um, so I think like, there is definitely a little bit misunderstanding of the difference between somebody like Castro to Sanders, and then there's a difference between Sanders to Biden, I think all these three different people are on completely different planes and different levels when it comes to political ideologies based on how left they are like, I don't even think Biden is leftist, I would consider him like centrist, you know, Um This is something i was actually talking to some of my friends about is that on a spectrum like the us government is kind of on the right you know we are a very yeah yeah, we're a very uh capitalistic capitalist heavy country which you know personally me if like i had to pick between capitalism and socialism i'd pick capitalism every day right that's why like i consider myself a centrist because i don't necessarily fall into all the very left-leaning beliefs um and to me, the Democratic Party right now is kind of ranging from centrist to the left, whereas the Republican Party, especially under Trump, has become, become a very like right-wing party. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's to the point of Hitler. I know everybody likes to compare him to Hitler, but that doesn't do Trump justice because at the end of the day, he's done many, in my opinion, not the best moves in his career, but I don't think comparing him to Hitler is fair. But on the other hand, that's why, you know, um, obviously I have some issues with Biden. I don't think any politician, I don't think any person is perfect. But to me, that's why he represents me so best, because as a centrist, I think the moderate Democrat party in the general spectrum falls on the centrist side of things. And then, of course, you have Bernie to the left and then right wing party and uh, the Republican Party, you know, way to the right. You kind of know what I'm saying?
1: yeah absolutely um mm. just when it comes to western society america is like like if you cal- if you calibrated the political compass right to just what mm. society in general america is super far to the right
0: right like when you compare it to like other uh first world countries like you know for you know even you have like super super uh liberal countries like sweden and then you even have some that are like you know a little to the left like canada and other european countries and then you have america which is like a very very right-wing um you know country so i think like that's super um interesting you know when it comes to u.s governmental politics because i f- believe you know cuba's kind of opposite of the u.s where in if you point the political compass to cuba you would see that in general it's a very on the left side of things so that's why I think comparing Cuba's go- like you know political system to U.S. kind of imbalances things because somebody who a candidate who's on the left for a U.S. government might actually end up being a right. Like I feel like compared to Castro or you know compared to their left wing politicians, Biden is way to the right. So, right, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah, that
0: mm-hmm. go ahead,
1: yeah, and um, <clears throat> excuse me um yeah and and that's just that's just the way that america is you know it's kind of an anomaly politically you know it's it's just it's it's such a diverse country Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that really i think agreement at any point is almost impossible really like i don't think this country is ever going to agree on anything you know Mm -hmm. so i just think that that's an issue that this country is always going to face just because of its size and its diversity you know so right. I, I just think that that's inevitable, you know, but uh, w- when it comes to Cubans, I also think that it's just a, a sort of misunderstanding of, about how the political system here works because I feel like, you know, talking to my parents, talking to my family, talking to just Cubans, you know, in Hialeah, in Miami, these people, when they think, I feel like when they think about voting for president, that they have a feeling like they're voting for a dictator almost you know like that, that uh, they don't understand exactly the role of, of the president in politics um mm-hmm. so i just think cubans um just don't mm-hmm. really understand the system here and they don't really care to learn about it but they're also super opinionated just because of their experience in cuba which is completely valid yeah. but i feel like at some point you know you gotta you gotta reconciliate the two the the two of those things and just like realize that just like the Cuban is just, just the Cuban compass is just
0: off. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, you know, kind of going off of that, um, this is a question I asked Joffrey in last episode as well. So what is like a political figure, a celebrity or a historian, like anybody, um, that's re- relatively famous that thing best represents your views?
1: Uh, for me in 20 i mean this is probably like a super basic answer Uh, i'll put a couple out there um but in 2016 i don't know that that was when i really got into politics bernie just spoke to me he Mm -hmm. spoke to me you know maybe you know i was also really young back then you know i was 16 17 at the time i mean obviously i'm super young now still but i feel like that was just like my first like real introduction to like american politics you know just complete like like at least basically understanding everything and you know being able to like absorb information and kind of make my own opinions out of everything that i just got in fact infatuated with the Sanders mm-hmm. campaign um so he really spoke to me you know i liked the whole grassroots campaign and uh, it's very unfortunate that you know it really felt like 2016 was his year to either win it or just you know, never be president. You know, unfortunately he just didn't have that same push mm-hmm. that he did in twenty sixteen, uh, in this past primary. Uh that was that was really unfortunate. You know, in twenty sixteen I feel like any every single young liberal, leftist, democrat, whatever in this country was really pushing for Bernie. And right. uh and yeah so bernie sanders would be one of them um, that i just kind of align with um, you know for me you know as a cuban you know jose Marti, um the, the famous cuban uh poet you know he was one of the ideological and political leaders at the time uh when cuba became independent you know he died uh fighting for cuban independence mm-hmm. um, you know there's that famous picture of him you know falling off the horse and he's, you know, a huge, he, he's probably next to Fidel and Celia Cruz, the biggest uh. <laughs> Cuban of all time, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, José Martí, for me, you know, I love his poetry. Uh, his, his poem about the white rose has always spoken to me. And that poem is just about, you know, a, a rose may have thorns and, you know, it hurts you and all this stuff. But like it's just basically sending a message about peace and um mm -hmm. and he just really was a a big advocate for freedom so him as well he he really spoke to me and um another person that oh man now i'm just kind of thinking (laughs) 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 because because this is this is probably like cringy right but um in high school for one of uh my classes i had to do a project where i think i just like had to like put influential people in my life like on a photoshop like just make a custom image of them and i remember i put i put bernie um i put jose Marty. i put ron paul and i for sure put uh, edward snowden on there too hmm. uh, just because edward snowden has absolutely sacrificed everything in his life just to you know call out the NSA and get all that information out there you know yeah um, so he has absolutely sacrificed everything and uh I, I think it's a shame that a lot of people think that uh... see an- another thing that I really dislike about and uh, I guess just maybe conservatives in general is the fact that they think that loyalty to your country also is equivalent to loyalty to your government um so like you know i can understand that's
0: an interesting take yeah
1: yeah because you know i, I would hate well you know i don't want to call anyone a bootlicker here right but mm-hmm. you know so some people like licking boots you know <laughs> and i just don't understand it you know it, it's completely fine wanting to you know support the ideology that your country was based on you know absolutely the constitution. You know, is is a great piece of uh, of literature. It's super influential, um, just ideologically, but also like you don't have to equate uh, Colin Kaepernick kneeling, for example, as an affront to the military. Like, w- what does that have to do with anything? What, do, mm-hmm. like, like, okay, yeah, you're, you you have family members that went to Afghanistan. Okay, I understand. What does that have to do with with, with anything? You know. Mm-hmm. Like no, no one no one fights for the flag.
0: Yeah, that's that's kinda what I was gonna say too. Nobody fights for the flag, they fight for the country.
1: Yeah, like they fight they they fight 'cause some senators in Washington sent them out. That's mm-hmm. not that, that's not how it is, you know, and like and, and they send you, you know, like you don't have any uh you know no no, no one's out there, you know, making sacrifices. You know, like Donald Trump, for example, dodging the draft in Vietnam, you know, which I agree with him on that. You know, I agree with him. I would dodge the draft, too, if I was there <laughs> at that time. No, straight
0: up.
1: <laughs> you know, obviously, Muhammad Ali had that famous quote, you know, they never called me, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I, I absolutely agree. Obviously, Trump had the resources to just draft, dodge, and get away with it and suffer no consequences at all. Um. But now, he's super pro-military all that stuff like come on man like <laughs> you, you, where was that energy in 1970
0: bro <laughs> <laughs> when your country needed you uh yeah. no i i definitely you know uh understand that uh sentiment i um that's uh you know i actually talked to somebody one of my um co-workers and good friends and her father and her grandfather they were both in the um military and uh, you know um, she was black she's black and she was telling me that initially when um, she saw all these protests or not like early on you know with Colin Kaepernick she, she yeah. like herself thought it was a little disrespectful yeah. because um, you know to her family and to her like the flag was just a symbol of like you know national pride it's somebody you know where like it's, it represents something that their her you know parent and her grandparent had like kind of risked their lives for which i i completely understand i do think the flag represents that i think it represents you know the constitution the government everything but i don't think you know he was necessarily kneeling to the flag i don't think kaepernick i don't think all these people are necessarily kneeling to what the flag or what the constitution stands for i think it's simply you know just saying that this country is great you know we are thankful for this country we represent this country you know we would die for this country but there are obviously certain things wrong with the country and you know a lot of the times the quickest response is you know why don't you go back to your own country and to me that response is so crazy because how can you tell an african american that like some african americans today have their ancestors living in the states for longer than you know some of the you know Europeans or white people or Caucasians who live today, like you might have migrated. You know in the '60s, and the '50s, or the early 1900s. But some African, like many African American families, have been here since you know slavery. So how can you tell them to go back? So you know things like that always kind of eluded me and confused me a little bit. But as far as the you know what it goes to representing, I I don't know if you watched Naruto yeah i did okay so you know who shikamaru is right (laughs) absolutely yeah of course yeah so there was this like period you know um spoiler alert for those who are watching shippuden but so there is during asuma's death you know he in the you see like this flashback and he says that you know basically who is the true king equivalent of like in the chess, right? If you defeat the king, you win the game. Who is the equivalent of that in real world? And you know Shikamaru's first answer was obviously, you know, the king, the president, in their case the Hokage, you know, the leaders. And he said no. And on his deathbed, I remember him giving the answer that it's the future generation, it's the children, it's the, you know, the citizens, the young people. And basically what he was trying to say is that a lot of the times you embody the president or the prime minister or the king as you know the thing we have to protect the symbol of a country but what truly makes up a country is its people its citizens you know it's especially like young people you know its children because they become the future they carry on the torch you can assassinate a king and the country will very easily elect another person very easily like reestablish and everything obviously it's a wrong thing and pretty much every circumstance unless you're somebody like hitler but in general you know you're the the young people the citizens those are uh the future of your country if you truly want to destroy a nation you know you eliminate all the young people and that's how you destroy a nation so that like kind of spoke to me and i was like that kind of represents our situation right now where a lot of people embody like you know the government or these authoritative figures as like oh they are the rule of law or or they are what the country is made for but the country isn't made for that the country is made for the people Mm -hmm. and if the majority of the people are upset at something then the country should listen and respond so i mean that's that you know that that is probably my favorite like naruto moment or anime moment or cool whatever you want to call it of all time but right it's, it's you
1: know
0: it's very very interesting that you know some people think that you know they, they defend donald trump so much and like obviously it's not a majority of republicans that would be you know like discounting them but uh you know there is a small branch of republicans that genuinely like i like them think Yeah, like, they just literally think of him as, like, somebody sent by the God or their Savior and everything. And and to me, I'm like, you know, let's, like, even, like, discarding all the accusations, right? Like, sexual assault accusations and everything because, you know, at the end of the day, day, there are accusations. There's 20, 30 of them. But, you know, even discarding that, there are things he has still, like, confirmed. He has, you know, lied to the the people or, like, delayed the announcement of, like, COVID-19's, risks or he has uh, you know in terms of his moral ethics you know what like Christians in the morality for a lot of Christians he slept with a porn star right that should immediately discount for Christians in their belief that as him as a holy person because a holy person based on Christian morals wouldn't do that so to me it's always like interesting that why is to like why does he matter so much but, you know, to the Republicans who don't, you know, many Republicans obviously see him just like a political figure, just like they agree with his views. I respect that. But...
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because they see a lot of himself in him. That's mm-hmm. what You know, like Donald Trump just empowered a lot of people to be, um, to just be racist and to be sexist without um, really having to worry about society, calling them out on it, you know. Um, I feel like, you know, back in 2016, um 2016 was a really politically charged year. Um,
0: uh, it, it began in 2016 this whole yeah. big divide. It was 2016. Yeah, because I I think it all started with
1: um well I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it all started, but I definitely remember especially online. The sort of political climate there was um there was a big, you know, feminist online uh, presence and then there was uh an equally as Large anti well, not maybe not anti feminist, but the, but there was like a reaction to it, like the, mm. there, there was a reactive movement to it that was you know, that was right wing, that maybe not right wing, right wing is not the word for it, but you know, more conservative and really kind of created this divide, especially within young people, you know, people that populate the internet. Um, that's where I really saw the divide first start. And even back then, I was part of that. I would see these anti feminism videos, and I was like, oh man, these guys are making really good points. But mm-hmm. I'm gonna I grew out of that. Because that, that, you know, at some point, you just kind of have to grow, grow out of that and just realize, right. like, well, obviously, I don't wanna undermine anyone's political opinions, right? But that's just how mm-hmm. I felt. You know, that I felt like, especially in these past few years, that I've just matured myself, and that has, you know, helped me realize, you know, that. You know the 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 world just like isn't like one big joke, and like people that are offended or something or sensitive about something, it's not because they're snowflakes, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a, a kind of taking things a little bit more seriously.
0: Yeah, yeah it's um, it's like, as somebody who kind of like, um, oscillates between like both, um, political areas, like. I always see this, like, and it's kind of like, I would personally say, yes, it is definitely more present in the right side of politics, but, you know, it's kind of present in both sides, where they try to undermine each other's, like, feelings, right? Like, it's one thing undermining each other's political ideas through, like, intellectual disagreement, you know, like, um, saying that, hey, you have this view, I don't think it's right based on these statistics, I think my view is better, you know, that's fine, but I think like when it comes to challenging each other's feelings and like how people personally feel about certain things and you purposely make fun of that. I think it's very, very, you know, kind of stupid because all you're doing is just showing that you're not a good person and showing and like not helping your political case because you, that person would probably hate your ideology more because they're going to associate you with it. You know, and it kind of goes on both sides. Uh, you know even on left wing um i see like a lot of the um you know this rise uh you know the right wing is majority christians right it's a very religious group in general of course not across the board but a good part of the right wing is uh christian or religious and you know a lot of people on left wing um if they're atheists they would like disrespect the bible and the quran and all of that you know as a muslim I don't necessarily uphold Bible as my religious book. You know, I uphold the Quran as it, but I would still respect it. And I would respect any other book, you know, for the Ramayana, for Hindus, or the Torah for the Jews, like any book, like I would respect it. I wouldn't necessarily believe in it, but I would still respect it. And that sometimes is lacking on the left side. Same thing with, you know, abortion, right? And this is, you know, something I've argued with a lot of people about. Me personally, I am pro-choice. Um, obviously, if you know you're eight months pregnant, and you know all of a sudden you have a change in your mind, in your opinion and everything, that's a different situation. I wouldn't necessarily agree to that. But in general, I'm pro-choice that a woman should have the right to her um, own body. But sometimes, you know, in the left, I see this that they make fun of that. Oh, you know, we're killing all these babies. We have a kill streak and everything. And to me, that's kind of very insensitive because you have to realize from the a republican or a conservative or a religious christian from their point of view they genuinely in their heart and genuinely believe that abortion is killing a child right Mm -hmm. so what you can disagree with that you can be like no it's not necessarily that scientifically yada 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 you know it should be a woman's choice etc etc i can you can disagree with that and i would actually agree with you but instantly jumping on and saying that, you know what, them kids. Oh, I got to bleep that out. And, you know, say stuff like that. Um, I feel that it's so, you know, like insensitive. And it makes the left at the end of the day, no different than the right. And that's what causes so many of the issues in this country is that when you take a step back, right? And I say this to my conservative friends, just like I'm saying it to you. When you take a step back, you realize neither side is truly morally right. Um, when it comes to how they approach a situation. You can argue ones, you know, politically or their ideas are morally right, but the way they approach the situation is wrong. And if either side decided to approach the situation with respect, I think, like, you will have a country where, yes, there is a diverse thoughts, there's diverse ideas, but we'll be able to live with each other. You know, the, the divide would eventually mend. Um, uh, um i think that's a far-fetched shot i think that's a very idealistic world never gonna happen obviously but yeah yeah
1: yeah i, I think uh I, th- I think a lot of the problem all the problems today um well i think first and foremost especially today's political climate i think it starts from the top you know tr- trump is, is kind of a troll mm-hmm. and um uh, he, he knows it he knows it and, and he will say and do things to get a rise out of people um So I think that kind of starts from the top, especially, you know, just with his campaign, you know, I mean, he basically bullied Jeb Bush out of
0: of that. was funny though. It wasn't right, but it was funny.
1: It it was super funny. It it was extremely funny. Um, You know, I loved watching the man. I I forget the I forgot the name of the YouTube channel, but there was a YouTube channel that like made compilations and edits of it. And I would binge watch that. But (laughs) yeah, um, Trump, uh, you know, obviously he's not solely responsible for it but to where it's gone today like where we can't even have a presidential debate without it (laughs) just going horribly Mm -hmm. um you know like i would hate to i I just hate to use this word because i feel like this word like it's used a lot but it's toxic you know and Mm -hmm. i I don't i don't think it's the appropriate word to use that's just how i feel i just think it's toxic you know it's like what are you really doing here trump man like (laughs) like what what are you doing besides pissing people off and like you know, like sure, tr- trumpet, it, trumpet is fun, <laughs> you know, because do the fool, right? But like, come on, man, that's you're just not being productive at all. And also, I think just the sort of memification of everything, right? Like with the abortion things that you uh, mentioned, you know, I always, well, not I always see that in memes. But whenever I do see that, it's it's usually a meme, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the Ben Shapiro owns libtard. Compilation, oh man,
0: those are the best. In the worst way possible, those are the best.
1: Because I mean, I mean, and just Ben Shapiro and Stephen Crowder and all these people, to um, they just add to this because it's it's one thing to have like a political discourse, but then it's another thing to be a lawyer, you know, like in Ben Shapiro's case, to be an educated lawyer and going to college campuses. And like debating someone down like uh like what what I see in those Ben Shapiro compilations, you know, like sure Ben Shapiro can, you know, make a point or whatever. But most of the time what I see is a super nervous college student that is talking to one of the biggest mm-hmm. names in politics, just getting practically just shut down before they ever have a chance to defend themselves. And it's just like, yeah, Ben Shapiro talks super fast, so you just won't get a word in
0: oh yeah. man that um know, yeah, I was actually like when you mentioned that you supported or like Bernie Sanders like kind of made you like super invested into politics or like he was like the guy who kind of was like oh he's pretty cool and you know I, I kind of went through the same thing and uh to me like my like political ideas has been like so like <laughs> shifted and like moved around because in middle school I and you know this might come as a surprise to a lot of people, but I actually supported Romney over Obama in the twenty twelve election, right? Wow. Yeah. It's a
1: big rap out of history, bro. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, but I I don't like I think a lot of people like sometimes when I talk they think like I'm just democratic trying to hide under centrist. But no, I genuinely held Republican and still hold some conservative Republican uh views, you know. And to me I I preferred this um, you know, because what Romney was trying to be was another Ronald Reagan. Obviously, he never became president, so we never know if it was actually going to be true. But he was trying to be that. Um, and I, at the time, didn't know su- too much about politics or I mean, I was still in middle school, but I liked uh, the general idea or the theory of Reaganomics. And I know, like, in practice, it doesn't exactly work that way, but I was, like, super young. Then when I came into high school, I remember I had a teacher who was a Bernie supporter. And, you know, I talked to her a lot about politics. And that kind of got me into Bernie Sanders. And during the whole Sanders versus Clinton, I was super against, like, Clinton. I was like, you know, Sanders needs to win. So I did, like, a complete 180. Complete, complete 180. Um, So I definitely agree with Sanders being, like, probably the most, you know, the candidate with the most... Yeah, let's get people going. Maybe other like other than Trump, you know, um, he's very similar to Trump when it comes to like how he affects his group and his base, yeah, how he excites absolutely. them. Excite yeah. is the right word. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, he can definitely. But both of those, mm-hmm. were, both of them yeah. were very good at uh, just kind of invoking a sense of community exactly amongst yeah. their amongst their base. But I think they went about it in totally different ways. But mm-hmm. I, I, I understand
0: what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, obviously now, when I came to college, um, when I, you know, and obviously in, in during those times, like, I supported everybody, right? I supported all these different political people. You know, I was once a Shapiro fan just because, like, he talked super fast. And I was like, yeah, bro, anybody <laughs> who talks that fast must know what they're saying. Uh, you know, obviously, in the, and I, I took a step back and certain things, and now I disagree with Shapiro in a lot of things. I do respect him for one thing, Um, I think Shapiro is one of the few, few conservatives who genuinely speaks against Trump. I think sometimes when the Trump has done stupid things, he doesn't, he he would never say that he's like super like against or anything, but he would say like that was wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, I do give him credit for that because he, at least he does that. You know, I don't think, I think every person, regardless of your political ideology, should be able to turn back to their candidate and criticize him. I would criticize Biden all day. I would criticize sanders all day and i would criticize romney all day whenever i supported them because i think that's what you should do you should be able to do that no candidate is perfect or even close to it so it's the bare minimum but i do give him respect to that so in general like you know now obviously i kind of like finally found where i belong i think i like some policies from one side some policies from others so um you know so going off of this so I'm going to take a wild guess and say you're not voting for Trump. Uh, crazy guess. Yeah, I I know. Shot in the dark. I guess I made it. I don't know, man. My mom mom has my (laughs) mother
1: right now. Who knows?
0: Yeah. But so let me ask you, um, would you be voting for Biden or would you be voting for a third party candidate or would you be writing in or abstaining from voting?
1: Oh, man. Listen, 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 listen. Anyone (laughs) out there? that is listening that is thinking about voting third party in the state of Florida. Just don't, just please don't, <laughs> just vote for somebody, but just, you know, don't, don't vote for a third party in a swing state, man. Just,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Um, But, um, but I mean, that, that's wrong of me. You know, you, usually I would be super uh, supportive of a third party. I, I've always been really supportive of a third party because I just think that the idea that a third party can't succeed is, freaking stupid mm-hmm. yeah because like if all these people that said that the third that they would vote third party um like there are a lot of people that would say that they would vote for third party if that was a viable option like if those right. people would actually vote for third party it would be a viable option. yeah
0: it's it's funny yeah, yeah it's
1: kind of <laughs> like a paradox like in that way um but this is not the year to to, to play around uh for me at least mm-hmm. you know maybe this year you know like just ideologically uh, a different candidate than biden would be you know a better fit for me but mm-hmm. i'm not gonna take that risk bro florida's You're already so super hold, close yeah it is you know florida has a history you know man uh <laughs> a mess in yeah a
0: our vote matters like a lot more than yeah. somebody's vote in like california or north carolina yeah because absolutely. you know mm. oh, yeah yeah but going off of that um what you mentioned about the third party it's it's definitely interesting because so my mom's side of my family is from pakistan right and pakistan is a very multi-party country right Mm -hmm. um we have like so many parties like i think eight prominent major parties that always like fluctuate in balance they kind of control like each section of pakistan and then when the elections come for the prime minister which is the main head of the country it's always like you know interesting and to me, I see all, everybody in America glorifying the concept of third party, right? Saying that like, oh, if you were to have third party, suddenly all the divides would end. Suddenly there would be this such peace, you know, that the Green Party or the uh, Libertarian Party are like, you know, if they come in power, it'll be all blossoms and everything. And I can like somebody who's from a country, I can 100% say that's not the case the if anything the multi-party system creates a lot more divide right and every single election right even though there's so many major parties that have a good shot it always boils down to like the two stronger parties and each time one of them is a little conservative one of them is a little liberal and it'll always you know come to that because coalitions form you know it, things form that oh let's work together to beat this etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's it's not really you know it, like, it creates more divides, you know, and you won't necessarily have half and half, but you would have, like, all these different people arguing. And it's it's just not this perfect thing. I, and I want to clarify, and I wish I could tell people that who are, you know, voting, who have this, like, this idea that the two-party system is such a bad thing. And it's honestly not. Like, to me, um, yes, having more options is good, but also having more options really undermines like the idea that oh just because we have multiple options there would be no divide because we don't have that 50 50 divide anymore there would still be divides there would still be arguments left would still hate the right and vice versa like those things would still occur and i i just wish people understood that and like another thing is that i think people misunderstand i think a lot of people think when they vote third party they're voting and showing that hey this party could be viable, and this is something I think I talked to Jafar about. If not on my podcast, I think I talked to him separately. Is that that's kind of not how it works, right? In order to genuinely become a viable party in an election, you first have to like increase your base. You don't, you know, and I feel like in in America they're kind of doing it the opposite way, where they're just voting just to like prove a point but they're not increasing their base like the green party and the libertarian party historically every single election has just been non-existent right they've just been like one percent two percent three percent even if they reach five percent today like it's not really the way to go the way to go is that you instead of spending so much money right because they take all these grassroots donations and everything and they just put it towards an election and campaign ads for what what does that do? All that does is waste people's money, waste people's hope for you to just get 2% in the election. But instead, if you use that money to actually recruit, you know, people to your, like spread the message, not necessarily the candidate. That's my big thing. Spread mm-hmm. the message, spread what your party's about, not what your candidate is about. Because trust me, nobody's going to know your candidate after the election. Nobody cares about your candidate. People, if you truly believe in what your idea is, right, spread your message. You know, the Green Party spread the idea of the Green New Deal. The Libertarian Party spread the idea of you know having like freedoms and rights and whatnot, what um, the things they stand for, and spread that message. And if it is a real message, people will come to it. People will generally be attracted to it, and then automatically, that's how you become a viable party. Not by consistently voting or getting you know spending thousands and thousands of dollars from grassroots donations on pointless campaigns and ads. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's almost, it's a little like tilting to me because it's like you're wasting people's money and people are too blind to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm.
1: Right.
0: So, you know, that's why like I, when I was signed to Jaffer, I was like, I understand abstaining from voting. I understand that like the whole concept of my, this candidate isn't offering something. So I won't, uh, you know, I don't I don't think I should vote for him as an African-American. I understand that. I, I, it's very hard for me. And, I, you know, I, I'm going to try to get somebody in my podcast who is a third-party voter. But I genuinely, it's so hard for me to understand why you would vote third-party. Especially considering, you know, if these third parties, you know, if Howie Hask- uh, Haskins, I believe is his name, and his party genuinely cared so much about the Green New Deal. Instead of spending hundreds of thousand dollars on campaign ads on himself on like promoting his useless campaign why why not use that to lobby green new deal efforts why not use that to support viable democratic um senators and uh, house of representatives that would go and become a voice in the government like aoc where they're you know talk about the green new deal and support it why not support that and instead of wasting on your campaign which will be pointless you know a year from now
1: Right. Yeah, and um, yeah. Like, if you look at at Sanders, for example, he was an independent. But you know, if if he continued to run as an independent for uh the presidential election, he would not have succeeded like at all, the mm-hmm. the way he did. Uh, so I just think, uh, really, like the the third the third party, like when it comes to you know these presidential elections, I f- I feel like it's more like a almost like a righteous thing, you know. Where it's like a, like as if going Democrat or Republican is like kind of like selling out, almost. I, I, th- I feel like that that's like maybe something that motivates people to continue, um, mm-hmm. you know, running under a third party. Um. So yeah, I I think I think that's probably another motivating factor behind that. Just sort of I guess keeping the integrity of the ideologies, you know, because. You know, everyone, you know, the Democrats and Republicans like, you know, they have their um donors and they have their, you know, own political lobbyists and their own uh connections, you know. So I, I think running third parties is sort of like a way of saying like, oh like I'm clean. You know, like I don't owe anyone anything. You know. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think that that really accomplishes anything. You know, Sanders ran that campaign to the Democratic Party. And that, you know, he was completely off of, you know, small donations or mostly off of small donations. And Trump, even as a Republican, you know, I mean, I, I don't really know too much about Trump's campaign financing. Um, mm-hmm. But apparently he, you know, did it all himself. Who knows?
0: Yeah. No, um, yeah, I I, I mean, it's I, I love hearing from, like, honestly, different viewpoints. And I genuinely want, like, other viewpoints to come to my podcast. Like, I really want people who are conservative and Republicans voting for Trump, conservatives who are not voting for Trump, um, you know, third-party voters. I genuinely want to come and hear their viewpoints because, you know, pretty much everybody, like, I can think of that I know, some kind of disagreement with me which you know everybody has like nobody agrees on anybody else like 100 Mm percent and so i genuinely uh want to learn and you know that i guess that's what my podcast is about that's kind of what i wanted to be you know a project just to see how all of these different viewpoints that you know separate us and how i you know we can at least attempt to bring it closer to the center and the understanding center of attention Understand each other, but I mean, I, I appreciate first of all coming to my podcast. Thank you for your time. bro. No yeah, man, it, it was awesome, awesome talking to you. I mean, the Cuban American conversation, third party candidates. Um, you know, I definitely like learned so much from you, and I, Thanks I think like that's why you know I love talking to people because it's it's I want to learn. I, I genuinely want to learn. I want to understand. You know, I want to die knowing that I truly was able to take in everything the world has to offer. So thank you so much again.
1: Come on, bro. bro. Hey, I'm glad I can do my part. <laughs> yeah.
0: So anything else you would like to say?
1: Um, go Pacers.
0: <laughs> I've
1: got the chip next year.
0: Hey, hopefully, you know, I, 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 I am rooting for them. I think, um, you know, they're kind of a young team and they have so much potential. I think if Vio can bounce back from his injury, you know, DeMond, Sabon is all-star, you know. I I, I think I think Pacers have a, you know, a good potential. They'll always be like a playoff team, I think. They'll just yeah, They're man. just always a playoff team.
1: Yeah, man, we're always the 5th seed, bro.
0: <laughs> always <laughs> a, dude. Nobody can take that from you guys, you know. Yeah, I mean, but I think, like, I think in, like, the past
1: 20 years or something like that, no other team has been to as many, like, playoffs as we have. Or, like, I think Eastern Conference Finals. Something like that's,
0: that. That's, that's I mean, either way, like, I, I, I don't know the exact set, but I know, like, Pacers, man, such a, they're such a, like, always playoff team. Kind of like the Spurs or the Heat. They're just always in the playoffs. <laughs> no
1: and... chips, though, no bro. It's tough.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if the Pacers right now are... Chip ready yet?
1: Nah, bro. But MVP I Malcolm. Mean,
0: yeah, they need to either draft super, super amazing, or you know get some crazy assets. It's it's kind of hard for a an Indiana-based team to genuinely attract like superstars. So I definitely understand, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just to... excited for the next season, man. Steph and Clay coming back, Kyrie and Kitty coming back. You know, it's, it's gonna be really nice. So, oh,
1: man, I just. I just want the Pacers, man. To just be relevant, please. <laughs> please I don't want to be the flyover team anymore.
0: Hey, man. Yeah. I, I I hope for your sake, we definitely get a more competitive Pacers team next year. I, honestly, just don't go 0 4. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Bro we're going to get
1: six games next year. Six games. We're going to lose next year.
0: I, I believe in so that. Go baby stuff. All right, man. Again, thank you so much for coming, man. It was nice talking to you. And, of course, for everybody listening, um, go follow my boy. Um, I'll link his Instagram and Twitter if you want to give yourself a shout-out real quick.
1: Yeah, um, my Instagram is Julio46Mendez. Pretty sure my Twitter is the same as well, just Julio46Mendez. Um, yeah, that's yeah, all I'm follow about him, man.
0: He, he He knows his stuff. For uh, Trust me, man. But again, thank you so much for coming, man. Of course,
1: man. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, all right. See you guys later. Thank you guys for joining and I'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Thanks. Oh